Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram, Ricky, and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Steph. Steph. As we get to the end of the season here, thanks very much to all our listeners. For those of you who did join us for Thursday night's emergency pod and are new to what we do, hello, good to have you. And for our regulars, settle in. We're going to give you the full skinny on our 1-0 victory over an obdurate, stodgy Burnley. Surprising adjectives for them, I know. And I don't know about anybody else here, but I don't know whether it was last night's salmon dinner I had or a bout of nerves or a smidge of whatever it was that Decky and three other members of the squad apparently caught. My bum was rather squeaky during that tense victory, chaps. Uh, we will be analysing every aspect of this vital game shortly as well as taking a contextual wonder back to Thursday, as well as looking forward to the coming week, uh, Monday in the Northeast for sure. But chaps, back to this squeaky bums thing for a moment. Uh, you too? I mean, did you catch the virus that's been going around? Or Yeah, 100%. Yeah? Yeah, my stomach is still twisted. Nope, nope, I'm saying. <laughs> You're saying you never, you, you never at one point felt a rumble in, 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 in the bumble, if you will. Oh, that was pathetic. No, he's, he's you never had a squeaky arse. That was just so twee. That was like me trying. That was like fucking BBC Five. Did you ever feel a rumble, rumble in, in the, the bumble? bumble? <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the games about glory and we'll sanitise it. I was absolutely fucking cacking it at one point during that game. Let's be blunt. And you're telling me, Milo, that you were not? That your so, pants were clean? Your stomach solid? Come on. He's, he's the balancer in this group, aren't you, Milo? He's bullshitting us. He's just... Ah, he's just he's just taking the count. No, of the count I, I felt really confident. Yeah. I'm just going to remind everybody who does listen to us regularly that uh, he, Milo did admit that he overstated his confidence over the Arsenal game simply to be a counterweight or a ballast, if you will, uh, to everyone else's nerves that night. So I'm not quite believing it. I'm sure that you know there was a little wobbliness in your in your nether regions. Um, depends. No, no. I'll try that again. Depends. <laughs> do any of you know what depends are they're adult no. they're adult diapers actually so anyway let's get away from bottoms and just carry on <laughs> what a what is this you know what the, the start to this pod certainly does reflect uh i think the energy of the season i i have to say and, and where we're at right now i mean it's been absolutely frantic and frenetic it really has but i suppose before we get into all of that i should dial us back in to our regular agenda and ask the intro question, which is, what is your karaoke song of choice if circumstances dictated that you had to choose? Yeah, let me see. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the karaoke song of a Ram Man. My karaoke song uh, historically has always been Always by Bon Jovi. Uh, Brilliant. <laughs> because when I was a young lad, a girl I really fancied at school really liked the song and I started singing it for her and I learned it and sang it and she really liked it. And after that, I was like, okay, well, that's just my karaoke song. One um, line. This Romeo is bleeding, but you can't see his blood. There's nothing but some feelings that this whole dark kicked up. That's what I'm doing. Given some of the footage we've seen of, bon, of, of John, John Bon Jovi recently, perhaps you want to stick around and get your number into their management and you can go behind the curtain. <laughs> you can probably help him out. I'm a little bit disappointed that Ram didn't tell us a tale about the time he sang especially for you with Amy in some pub in Camden or something. I, I <laughs> yeah. 
that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no such anecdote. But he refers to her as Amy, but for those of you who don't know, it's Amy Winehouse. He's being referred to here. That's no. the right chuckle of a man who's not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that is. We'll, we'll grill him off air. Yeah. We'll grill him off air. And you, dear listener, can only imagine um, the stories that Ram has to tell. Hang on, I'll um, press pause. No. And we're back in the room. I can't believe that, Ram. I can't believe that story. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, uh, just just incredible. Incredible. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I know, but I mean, you know, the others turning up as well. I'm, must have been some <laughs> night. Just some night. Yeah, yeah. And, and now we know why you've got three bathrooms and five bedrooms. That must be that songwriting talent. Incredible. Anyway. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Ram. Ch- uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to make everyone else do a line? Uh, well, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, 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 no. There no, we are, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. Nothing. <laughs> yes, there's no correction needed. Are we all going to do lines? Let's see. Milo, come on. Out you go. Karaoke song, and why don't you do a line? <laughs> I've only ever sung karaoke once, and I don't remember much about it. I I bumped into an ex-girlfriend and we'd arranged to go out the next morning I woke up and kind of had that kind of slow dawning recollection of the night before we kind of <laughs> through the kind of mist and fog and we'd been out in Peckham and the next morning my earworm was baby it's cold outside and <laughs> kind of the full horror of what I'd been up to the night before was coming back to me so that's the one and only time I've ever ever sung karaoke after a after a, a, a night of love in Peckham, is that what you're saying? <laughs> a, a night of illicit <laughs> love in Peckham, yeah. is that what we're getting at? He doesn't saying remember anything. Perhaps, he said that. Are you saying perhaps yes. he wouldn't be back? He wouldn't have gone back twice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, um, it was it was it was one of those we meant meant to just go for a drink and a catch up and mm. yeah. Pause the record. Pause the record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bloody hell! Well, that all that tells tells anyone is that be careful when when Milo asks you for a drink and a catch up. He <laughs> <laughs> it ends up. Um, and uh, would you entertain us by doing a line? I don't know any lines to it. So I can't remember. I, no. <laughs> there were. Oh. Well, I suppose the image of you uh-huh. uh, and a dodgy night in Peckham is one that we can uh, we can live with. Uh, you've painted a nice geographical map, which, Ricky, is usually your territory. In these questions, you usually bring us globetrotting with your exquisitely uh, drawn map. So I'm expecting something spectacular for your uh, for your karaoke moment. No geography today, honestly. Um, I'm not really, I'm not much one for karaoke, I must say, but, um, and um, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking maybe sort of Firestarter or um, <laughs> song, t- song 2 by Blur, because you can kind of shout the lyrics rather than sing them. Those aren't lyrics, are they? Woohoo! That's exactly. not a lyric, is it? That's like saying the police regatted the blonde is a, is, is, is a lyric. Exactly. <laughs> right? I'm not very, I told you I'm not very good at karaoke, so I've got to go for something like that. But as I said before I come on, I mean, the week has well and truly sort of caught up with me, so I'm not really feeling like a twisty fast or woohoo, as you say. So um, I think I'll yeah, well, go right, well, bollocks to that. You're not getting away with that. If you're going to pick songs with no lyrics. I'm going to pick one. As, as... I'm going to pick one. It's going to have lyrics. Patience. Okay. Oh, Patience, good. Sorry. Okay. Well, okay. I envisage we'd be in the little kind of. Um, the game is about glory after season celebration karaoke down, you know, some nice bar somewhere. And um, I think to keep it... In uh, Peckham. Yeah, in Peckham. 
But to keep it a bit Spurs centric and that, it would be um now it's not gonna be Bazzi it's not gonna be Bazza Manolo. I'm not doing Can't Smile Without You. That's actually quite a hard song to sing. But I'm gonna go for um I'm gonna go for a bit of Chaz and Dave and something oh, that's kind of brilliant. A, a bit of a cheeky dig at a certain um a sort of a certain section of our support and it's ain't no pleasing you that's what it's going to be <laughs> oh very good <laughs> so we'd like, like to sing that. along as well we can all sing along to that it's yeah. a great crowd pleaser that's yeah. a great one I thought you were going to lay down the classic Chaz and Dave line well actually the good classic job. Aussie line <laughs> in the cup for Dottie <laughs> oh, who hasn't sung that with exactly. reverence yeah. towards the great Aussie RD yeah. uh, one of the great uh, one of the great vocalists in Tottenham Hotspur history certainly better than those two mullet headed muppets uh, who, formed, <laughs> who did diamond lights for Christ's sake. I'm sorry. I'll take Aussie every day. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, uh, like any of you, I don't think I'm a regular karaoke person at all. But if there is a karaoke song I like to do, it is a bit of Come As You Are by Nirvana. Yeah, come as you are, as you were, as I want you to be, as a friend, as a friend, as an old enemy. I'll stop there. Um, because I, I could, because I could get into it, you know, get into it. I love it, but uh, I, yeah. I was going to say with your um, your dodgy body, I think straining to sing like that is probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like, I'd like to note actually that my bottom has come back together since the final whistle. <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's go back to the week that was, shall we? <laughs> we haven't got there, but we're going there now because I'm warbling. I'm excited. I really By am. By the way, I have the to Dodgy say. Bottoms, that should be our band name when we go <laughs> global. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Bottoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone else can have squeaky bum. We've got Dodgy Bottoms. That's right. Yeah. Dodgy Bottoms and Lines. That's what you get from The Game Is About Glory. Um, and anyway, let's, let's go to the week that was. In very welcome news... The club announced the formation of Spurs Reach, which is a new supporters group for fans from diverse and underrepresented ethnic backgrounds and their allies. Uh, it, it stands for Race, Ethnicity and Cultural Heritage, and it will promote and encourage a sharing of information and good practice around the inclusion of diverse and underrepresented ethnic communities within football and represent the views of its members to the Football Supports Association, Kick It Out as well as other groups. Uh, very quickly, chaps, I, I think we should all maybe have a quick word on this because it is really important and it seems to be more important than ever now because it does seem that people do need to be re-educated as to how to be inclusive and, and, and to understand the, the, the communities and, and, and cultures around them. Would you not agree? It's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great initiative. It's a great initiative and it's just another really positive step in the right direction you know and and with everything that uh, that's happened in the last couple of seasons with you know kneeling um to to stand against racism and things like that and and the furor that was caused around that but all of these things are actually bringing us closer to ultimately the end goal which is you know to be uh you know what football should be which is a very very inclusive sport that's played mm. worldwide and and should be accessible to everyone so um so yeah really yeah. really positive and happy mm. about this news yeah yeah i think it's another feather in the cap for the club really because we we live in a massively di uh, the club is situated in a massively diverse area and we've done so much recently to be part of that community and we do so much for the local kids and we we I think they even do a load in that. We've got a little mini arena now, haven't we, that we do a lot of stuff with local kids in it. So all this is just all, all rolls into that. And I think, and, and, and the good thing about it, I think we're really, we are massively genuine about it. I think we, we recognize yeah. that Haringey is the deprived area and, and we'll do our best to sort of include everyone from that and from wider and further afield. Yeah. I mean, Spurs have got a kind of proud history of anti-racism and, you know, it's one of the things that I'm 
kind of proudest of the club and yeah, not just the club itself so you know the fans as well and you know anything that you know strengthens that and does that you know does that for a kind of you know modern audience or you know modern you know crowd is really important it's um it's a real, it's a great initiative i agree yeah indeed we also learnt uh, during the week that uh, Christian Romero uh, is joining uh, Sergio Reguilón, who in turn joined <laughs> Matt Doherty and Jeffet Tanganga and Oliver Skip as all being first team players that are out for the season. Uh, the fact that the season is now down to one game is probably worth mentioning and uh, significant. So as big as the losses are, particularly with Romero, I suppose, um, you know, we've managed to make our way through. And Sanchez has shown himself to be an able deputy this week. But regardless, we will not be seeing those players again. The Museum of London, meanwhile, is holding a Harry Kane exhibition, which will run until after the World Cup. Harry has lent memorabilia to the exhibitor. Sun Young-Min is on the shortlist for the Premier League Player of the Season. He joins Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jawa Bowen, Jao Cancelo, Kevin De Bruyne... Bakayo Saka, Mohamed Salah and James Ward-Prowse on the list of nominees. Voting is open now on the Premier League website, so vote early and vote often. And sticking with Sonny and player of the season, he is the One Hotspur, the One Hotspur junior and official supporters club player of the season for the third time in four years, having also claimed those accolades in 2018-19 and 2019-20. Gentlemen, short, brief, Tribute to Sun Young Min, three, two, one, Ricky. Um, amazing player, amazing season, and it looks like I'm not sure if I vote for him for our player of season to put a down on it. But I think if he if he grabs the old golden boot, I think that would clinch it for him from my perspective as well. But once again, he's showing consistency through the seasons. Look at the numbers; they don't lie. They do not lie, Milo. Yeah, he's good, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely bloke. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, I know. It's just okay. so, you're right. Absolutely right. It's a, yeah. Today I had my favourite point of the season, which is when the players take their kids out on the pitch yeah. after the game, and Sonny yeah. is the best yeah. uncle in the world. He is, isn't he? I saw that. I that. Uncle Son. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every every family has a little bit of a lift up of a kid and a cuddle, and yeah. like you know, he's like a he's like an on-field babysitter. Ram, a couple of words on Sonny. Oh, he's um. I mean, he's a Spurs legend in the you know, and he's going to be known as a Spurs legend. He's you know, man who plays with a smile on his face, and he's put a smile on all our faces um, on many occasions. Yeah, love him. Yeah, it, it, I mean, for me, he's just so infectiously positive. Aside from all his performance, that he is the the you know the consummate idea of what I see a Tottenham Hotspur um, legend as being, and uh, I, I think he's already absolutely that. As you said, Ricky, if he gets the uh, the golden boot, it's only going to add to that um and the trophies that he'll obviously be picking up next season with us when uh, antonio leads us to glory oh i'm getting ahead of myself sorry and steven bergwine won goal of the season for his winner at leicester city in january we remember that don't we a little bit just a bit right mm, one of the highlights of the yeah. season we played arsenal just in case anyone um didn't know we beat arsenal just in case anyone didn't know it was apparently the single greatest atmosphere that has yet been felt and witnessed at the lane, at the new lane. Milo and I were not there. We were busy doing that emergency pod. But Ram and Ricky, you both were there. And so now, gents, I'd like to hand the floor over to the two of you. And I want you to bring us briefly through the night that was last Thursday that was still living today. Go for it, Ram. Firstly, just before I say anything, 
uh, Steph and Milo, I've got to commend you for the um, the the pod, yeah. the emergency pod. It was such a good listen, and and I think I said it in our chat group. It was almost as delightful as the game itself. <laughs> like you really, you really did a good job on that. So thank you for that because it it kind of brought it, all, all of our opinions about the game, and you know, you really kind of analysed it in a great way uh, so soon after the final whistle. So props to you for that. I don't really have anything to say that you've or haven't already said about the game. So just yeah, being there. I mean, the atmosphere was absolutely electric um one of the best if not the best i've experienced um i said before the pod like you know there was a there was a flare that went off near where um i was standing in the south stand and i said it felt like being in a red star bell you know the red star bell grade stadium in the in the early 90s it was so hostile and intimidating for arsenal and it and as apart from arteta's silly tactics i think it did get to the um the arsenal players heads you know and that that the it was it was an it was such a it was such a charged emotional atmosphere um and you could you really felt like we were completely behind the team and i think it's one of the few get nlds i've gone into where once we the the uh the ball was kicked the first ball was kicked i was like we're going to win this and i've never felt like that about an nld i just thought there is no way we are not winning this game because just because of what was uh you know i was witnessing around me and the um the the crowd itself it felt like old white hart lane but just on a much larger scale you know and it was, we've had some intimidating nights at white hart lane and yeah loved every moment of it and you know just as far as the game everything went right for us Every player turned up and I think our, our superior experience shone through as well. Um, you know, and yeah, what an incredible night. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I agree. With, I mean, I think I said in our, in our WhatsApp chat, I'd, um, I'd become impossible to live with from Thursday onwards. So <laughs> Mrs. Ricky was telling me. So uh, I decided to get out of the house quite quickly. And no, from Wednesday onwards, sorry. So I got out of the house quite quickly on Thursday, got a reasonably early train. And so I arrived at the Beehive um already busy in there this has just gone through and that and a big shout to all the people that i spoke to in there because i think we're all in the same boat of just um nervously trying to you keep... were there at th- you were there at three yeah o'clock. i wasn't the only one believe me oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. so you really so you really saw it building up oh yeah saw it building up completely and then it was absolutely packed in there and and the people i was talking to sometimes we were all kind of thick and we look at watches and then it was only five and you're thinking there's still two or three quarter hours to get to this game yet and then i thought i'm gonna to have to leave for the corner pin anyway so i went in the corner pin as well and it was similar in there i mean but these play these places were like samaritan centers i think for the day for everyone that was kind of <laughs> for all these spurs fans in the same boat of just the stories were all the same of just having to get out the house just can't fun- can't function can't do anything it was too much on their minds you know they weren't even going in for half days at work and that i think you're better off going to work really it just probably take your mind off it so um it's not very yeah. good for productivity though is it you'd be absolutely useless you can get your mind oh no exactly it would be because it's just keeping focus on something i think people were just they were just medicating with, with whatever bar, bar staff would put in their glass basically i think <laughs> they were just trying to like i think we was looking for the old sea of, sea of tranquility at the bottom of your beer glass i think i think that's what he was hoping for but um so yeah i mean it was it was massively nerve wracking, and of course, then the Romero bombshell came just before kind of kick off, and we all realised that oh no, he's not going to be there as well. But I must say, the concourses even before the game were oh. absolutely rocking. I've never seen anything like it. The, the, the fever the, the fever pitch was just building up so much, 
And I mean, once I got to my sea, it was just a, a sea of noise all the time. Um, everyone was just fully into the game. And but the, but the magic thing, like Ram says, was I mean, apart from maybe I'd give them ten minutes, and I think to be honest, most of that was just me looking down and Martin Lilly thinking, "Oh, he looks a bit tricky. He looks a bit dangerous." And that was basically yeah. it. I mean, to have something build up like that. And then the whole game goes so beautifully well. I mean, if it was, let's say, today's game, like a real tight, dodgy nil-nil, one-nil or something, I'd have been so much more nerve-wracking. When really, it was, I mean, it was our whole stadium that found the Sea of Tranquility. And it was the old gooners that crashed on the rocks, I think. You know what I mean? It was um, <laughs> it was so great just to be able to watch them. I mean, they, they, they'd sort of loaded that corner up with their red colours and gradually it all just turned back to dark navy blue seats. And um, yeah. it was like fantastic. It was, it was, just, it was just epic. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, as Ramsdale, I think it was probably the best, definitely the best game I've ever been to at the New Lane because and the concourses afterwards were epic as well. And, and, it, and it probably made a quite, and it made an easy night for the police as well because I think most of the gooners had drifted off home by that time. So we could just have the, well, North London to, our, to ourselves, actually. Yeah, that was the great thing about it. But yeah, magic, magic night. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I, actually, I've, I've, I know that we were in our respective houses, Milo, and I know we already said this on Thursday, but I am interested. Did you did you have to get any, um, or did you seek any extra dispensation from uh, from Mrs. Milo, um, or were you uh, of even killed enough to not need to request it? I've, I've spoken before about the grumpy games, haven't I? Mm. There's a number of games a season which are the, the grumpy games, which are the ones where I'm not particularly good company in the build up to, and a bit mm. irritable if I'm asked anything. And um, yeah, this, this is this is the. Uh, the mother of all grumpy games. So, <laughs> especially, especially with the situation with you know the kind of must win yeah. and you know we're in a head to head. Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot more on this one, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually avoided going to the you know the supporters club out here that I that I I helped um set up with uh, with the mighty Steve Pritchard, who incidentally is another regular listener. Hello, Steve. Um, and I, I avoided going simply because I I, I could not deal the potential for fractitious interaction. I was so on edge and I just, which is a terrible thing to say really. And I just didn't trust myself. What if an Arsenal fan comes in that says something stupid and which would obviously be the case because they would just say something uh, on, on during that day. And I would snap. I, I didn't trust myself. And I actually spent the whole first half standing in my living room. Like I was, like I was standing. I, I didn't, I couldn't sit down. I could not sit down. And, you know, I did something I never do. I mean, I, I had a whiskey before noon. I had a couple of whiskeys before noon and I petted my own spaniel, which I believe I sent you a, a photo of. But it was very, very nerve wracking here as well. So it's interesting to hear both of your perspectives. Um, oh, we could spend forever talking about this, but we won't. We won't. We'll round off the week that was with um, with rather rather less pleasant news, actually. Uh, a sobering reminder, um, uh, tragically, that there are still morons and idiots out there in the world. Um, uh, earlier today at White Hart Lane, three Burnley fans were arrested in the away end for making offensive gestures. Thankfully, the film circulated on Twitter. Reports were made. People were arrested. Burnley have confirmed that they will work with Tottenham Hotspur, Met Police and Lancashire Police on this matter. Uh, hopefully, the absolute plankton won't be seeing any live games anytime soon and hopefully the message continues to be you know thrust at the morons who still try and infiltrate uh, the beautiful game you're not welcome so we have arrived at the Burnley match let's just start by saying that uh, I don't know about any of you when I heard the rumour that Decky was going to be out with a virus and then you heard the rumour that maybe two or three other players were going to be out which actually turned out that Hugo Lloris um, Galini and Harry Winks all had a touch of the same bug 
that Decky had, which was a stomach bug. I did start to think about lasagna gate. I don't know about anybody else, um, uh, you know, and I'm interested to hear what you all think. Uh, Lucas Mora came in for Decky. And so what did you think of the team selection? And did you start to get a slight echo of, uh, of, of nervousness? The tinfoil, definitely. The tinfoil hat started creeping back onto my head for sure. I was there. Uh, I thought, oh, not again. Why when, you know, especially and especially when Arsenal were involved, why is it, why always them? You know, why is it always with them? And it turned out not to be as sort of serious as we'd, um, you know, as we'd feared. I think with the lineup, um, it was the lineup I expected. If if there wasn't so much riding on the game, I was kind of thinking, I wonder if it would have been good to see maybe Son and uh, Stevie up front with Kane kind of in the hole mm. in like a 3-5-2. Because um, Bergwijn's not going to start ahead of Son or ahead of Kane. Uh, but I would like to see him start. At, at the time, I said I would like to see him ahead of Lucas just because mm-hmm. it was that right side that I've always been, you know, we we have been worried about of uh, Royale, Sanchez and, and Mora. Um, so I was a bit worried about that based on previous experience. Although, you know, after watching the game, I, it turns out I didn't have to be as, you know, as worried as I was initially. Yeah, I, mean, I really hate all of that Tim Four hat kind of defeatism. I just think it, I don't, I think it's negative. I think it has an impact on the, the side and how we perform and our fans need to get a bit more of a backbone, I think. I mean, I agree. I'd rather Bergwin play, but I think in, in Conte's head, I think it's the other way around, isn't it? I think Moore is ahead of Bergwin when it comes to um, who he's going to choose. Yeah. But um, I think Gareth said that, that I think he's obviously saw uh, Decky get off the bus and that. So I presume that if um, he's on the bus with the others, he's got something that is non-contagious, I presume. So... It must be food related, maybe. This is worth picking up on just before we we we, we carry on with uh, Burnley's uh, ridiculous and and archaic tactics. It feels to me that you know Antonio Conte refuses to let anything of that nature interfere with our preparations. He just refuses, right? I mean, even though it does interfere, and it would. I mean, Decky's one of our best players, but he just won't have it, will he? I don't think there was there was time for much preparation for this game, was there? There would have one training session between the Arsenal game and this one, right? But I'm saying he won't even entertain. I mean, he wouldn't even entertain thoughts of of worry. Or I mean, he just. I mean, I mean he. It just doesn't have time for that, does he? I mean, he's the manager to me who currently seems to complain the least about his injury situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, some managers would probably make quite a big deal out of that. They'd be like, well, you know, we we, we played on Thursday and now I've got four players who are sick and, you know, and, oh, <coughs> <my God>. sorry. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. And um, sorry about that. But he I just, I think, I think that, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like he, he, he kind of just went, these are the facts, this is what's happening on, and this is what we're going to do. And it almost, for, as a fan, it doesn't give you the chance to kind of dwell on it and go, oh, oh no. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, he's got it under control, so on we go. He just looks at stomach viruses and says, I'm going to crush you. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so Burnley did sit, I mean, look, they sat deep. And I think one of the things that frustrated me the most in that first half uh, was the amount of time that they wasted. I mean, they were wasting time for the seventh minute. Is this not right, Milo? Were you not counting up how long it was taking per Nick Pope goal kick? I mean, I, I think there was something like that in our, in our chat thread, and I was really intrigued to know how it totaled out. So the, the, he was taking kind of 30-plus seconds for goal kicks in the first half. I mean, I think kind of in terms of the, you know, sitting deep or what have you, you know, we, we spoke about this a bit after the after the Liverpool game and yeah and, and Brighton again a few weeks earlier. You know it's a legitimate tactic that you know teams don't have to come out and attack 
you obviously they're you know, in a relegation battle they've got to do whatever they think is right in order to try and you know stay up and you know get the points which is which is fine i think time time wasting you know again which you know we talked about the brighton game when I mean, brighton were doing that from the, the very off weren't they um and it was similar in the first half today and i mean ultimately i think it's down to the referee to get a grip of it and i don't really think that kevin friend did get a grip of it and certainly in the first half today burnley were quite agricultural um in their approach in the first half there were lots of fouls going on you know in the game i thought we started quite well for the first kind of 15 20 minutes and then they're disrupting our play took its toll and, and then you know i think they were probably the better side for the second half of the first half if you if, if you get my drift and you know ultimately you know, i think what i'm trying to say here is you know that it's a legitimate a legitimate tactic sitting deep and trying to break against us but it's up to the referee to try and stop you know kind of the spoiling tactics so the wasting the time and you know tactical fouls in order to try and reduce the game into a scrap and i don't think friend did that today interesting because i completely disagree and on one aspect of that i agree that he did not um he was not our friend when it came to the persistent fouling perhaps but uh ricky i mean would you not agree yes. that in the end kevin friend managed to clock very well because we did end up getting uh, several extra minutes at the end of the first half, um, which were the most productive minutes of the game for us. I think, well, I think I think he added. Was it four on at the end of the first half? I think. And which of course, which I, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember a referee adding more min- minutes of that nature. Cornet's head injury time, must have been a good mm. large part of that. I think it was two but, minutes, um, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, probably. And and Pope would have obviously probably contributed another two minutes to that on his own um i mean obviously that helps us because that's when we scored the goal but uh well we got the penalty but i don't i mean i don't think apart from pope i wasn't really watching and then thinking they were annoying me too much with any you know any kind of excess it wasn't like the villa game where they were like li- literally looking to like really hurt us they weren't looking to waste time with every little thing did you not think that i or was that or do you think that was my perception being a frustrated no i mean no you could be right but what i'm saying is it didn't really come through to me that i mean pope was definitely okay. just taking an age with the bloody goal kicks and whatever but um but it didn't feel that they were then necessarily breaking our game up too much of that. I mean, we had plenty of possession and passing it around. I mean, I think our passing was reasonably good today. We had quite a bit of energy about us, like Milo said at the start, first 15 minutes. And, but we weren't massively brilliant with our passing as in creative wise, but we certainly put crosses in and we had headers and we had some chances mm. from that. So it wasn't like we were doing that other thing where sometimes too many passes are sideways and backwards and we're getting, you know. But a little bit of, I mean, and we're allowed the way we're playing for the first half hour, but I thought in the last 15 minutes, then the crowd and maybe Conte mm. started getting a bit, a bit edgy. A bit of edginess crept in at that point. And that's when, when the penalty came, it was a real, a real a great time to uh, score a goal or receive a decision like that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we we had 87% of the possession in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, because I saw, I think the stat came up. Didn't we have like 112 passes? And they had nine, I think, didn't they, in that first 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes? It was like, what? That opening period, I was quite impressed with us. I, th- I thought mm, that... I was, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that we'd clearly been working on ways to break down deep yes. set teams. And there was quite a lot of variety in it. We were moving the ball from yeah. side to yeah, side quite well. But then, as the half went on, there was less of that, and we. Str- yeah, I think we'd almost kind of forgotten what we were doing well. I think we got tired. Maybe we got tired. But also, I think that's where you know, like Milo said earlier, the time wasting is a legitimate tactic that teams use. You know, especially against a team like us, who likes to sort of you know come at you. And um, and uh, so I felt, I felt, you know, we we distributed the ball really well in those first sort of fifteen twenty minutes. We put we put a fair few crosses in, including like Lucas put crosses yeah. in you know he's beating his man at his flank and then putting a few crosses in 
but I think I, I actually thought that uh, the referee did a good job with the timekeeping. Like I think he was motioning to Pope from the from you know very early on, you know, pointing to his watch. And didn't didn't um, Hugo get booked later in the game? He did. Time, the right? did. So yeah, he, he did. It. He he was too good at it, in my opinion. <laughs> he had a little but, laugh uh, about it, didn't he? What, what yeah. I'd like to see us do as a crowd, I think, I think when a keeper's taking a long time over a goal kit, we ought to start counting. Like one, <laughs> two, yeah. three, four. Like if you if you had the whole of the uh, park lane counting go. seconds out when a goalkeeper's taking a while, I think it'd be quite intimidating. I think the keeper would start noticing yeah. it and it would really put pressure on the ref. If you're counting up to 30 yeah. and they still haven't done anything, I think that would be quite quite a thing. That would be good. I like the sound of that. That'd be very good indeed. Um, yeah, I think there's. A, I think you're all absolutely right in terms of the the movement in that first fifteen twenty minutes. Was certainly a lot more vertical than I expected. Uh, in terms, of, you know, we've been far more horizontal and slow in the past. We did get slowed down, and um, but you know, then in the second half again, which I know we're going to get into in a minute. But I, just to focus on Sessignon for a moment, who, by the way continues to to show me that yes uh he is going to be um a very very viable um left wing back option and and a very very a strong player for us so mm. uh increasing credit to him but in the second half i mean i was begging him to just like take the man on just go for it and i and he did a couple of times and he really did cause some problems so that was nice to see but i thought he was our best player today says yeah, I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was, he was really, really good. I think, yeah, I mean, both our wingbacks were good today. But I think with Cess, it sometimes, as you say, he faces the player up and you almost think, you still think there's another gear there for him, didn't you? Because there is. physically is a specimen. And I think he could maybe, and maybe through training or some kind of fitness, other stuff, they could get his kind of sprint speed up. Because I think it's I, almost, I don't think he's holding I think back. It's there. He's just, I think I, it's I think there. It's I there. think it's there. I think it's there. I think it's him learning in his own self to balance hmm. the tactical shape and possession that Antonio wants versus the impulsive instinct to do what his body can let him do that few other players can. I think he's still learning that balance. And because he has had so relatively few games in a row in his Tottenham Hotspur career, I think maybe that's the sort of thing that will become really refined after 15, 20 games in a row. I think also he's managing himself, isn't he? You know, he's had, he's had a, yeah. you know, recently come back from an injury. There's no yeah. backup to him. And um, I yeah. think he, you know, he's he's just holding himself back a little bit because of that. Um, it would be great to see, you know, what he's like with a, you know, with a full preseason, and yeah. you know, they can actually work on, you know, a bit of conditioning and strength stuff as well as. Yeah, exactly what he wants from the role. What, what exactly what Conte wants from the role? Yeah. Also, going going in the other direction, he did a fantastic defensive header today at the back post, and they it? slung in a yeah, really yeah. good cross. And yeah. you know, he could sometimes maybe rely on one of the uh, three centre halves to do that, but he was mm. tucked in, spotted that because yeah. it was a good cross from them. But that was he read brilliant it really brilliant well, stuff. He? he did, yeah. I agree. And and while we while you did, you know, we're on the wing backs I've I've got us there I know and and Ricky you mentioned uh, Emerson um I I think again we we talked about how this player's renaissance in recent weeks whilst not quite measuring the uh, meteoric uh, Matt Doherty um you know increase that we saw uh, a little earlier in the season he certainly you know racing into all of our hearts as a definite at the very least cult hero of sorts um i would say and uh, but his performances have been becoming increasingly strong in 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 the attacking sense as 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 actually a viable maybe threat is the wrong word but certainly a viable outlet as we're going forward and it seems that the rest of the team is starting to trust him more in that regard he's seeing more of the ball he's getting forward more would you agree 
Definitely. I mean, just just going back to the North London derby, actually. But some of Crane. Um, oh, go Crane, on if you some must. Some of Kane. Some of <laughs> Kane's um, cross field. You know, his little Hollywood. A uh, little uh, Hollywood passes were um, were too royal. You know, and mm. he found himself in some positions where he was through on goal, and uh, or he, he at least had a, a, an opportunity for a shot at goal. Um, and he just seems to be part. You know, he. It's like he's suddenly. Not suddenly, but it's like he's kind of going, oh, I'm a part of this team and I can be quite a cohesive cog in it. So I'm just going to do that, you know, and obviously that comes through the training Mm. pitch and and starting to understand Conte's methods and being able to adapt his game. But, you know, he's he's getting forward, he's defending well. and he's 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 now become a very viable option on that on that right hand side. I'm not saying we won't repl- you know uh, get uh, more right uh, right wing backs in the summer, but he's proven himself. You know he's proven himself that he's capable. It was um, interesting, say with Royale in terms of his positioning. So in the first half, it was Royale who was playing wide with Mora tucked inside him. So it was a, a switch to what we've normally seen when he's playing alongside Decky. And then the second half, Conte switched that over. So it was Mora who played wide and then Royal came inside. So that's you know, more, uh, yeah, that's how he's been playing you know, more recently. So interesting in terms of how we were using him today. Yeah. I, I, agree, no, I agree with Ram now. I think he's definitely settled into the team. He seems a lot more part of it. And the thing I like about it, he seems to be just smiling his way through it now, which is really <laughs> nice to see. He's, such like, he's got such a great rapport with the fans. As you say, it's got that kind of hint of cult status that is going to, if he hangs around, if we keep him, then I think he can do that. I think he's still a little bit, he just looks a bit awkward attacking-wise. He's a bit stop-starty, isn't he? He doesn't mm-hmm. always get... But which is weird because, when, as you say, when he pings those balls out, his touch is brilliant. Sometimes his first touch, he can kill it and bring it, bring it down under control. And defensively, he's strong. I think going back to that North London derby, there's a couple of times where I think, and in fact, the team's doing this better now, running backwards in the other direction. When let's say it's broken down or the other team breaks, we're doing that a lot better. Hoybo did it today. Did a brilliant mm-hmm. tackle when he ran back and caught up with someone. Yeah. And um, a. a uh, Royal done that in the North London derby as well. So, but I don't think we doubt him defensively anyway, do we? We know no, that he's no, pretty no, good at so. that. Yeah. So the, the Royale kind of highlights comp uh, that he, re- yeah. he puts out on Twitter each week is one of the highlights <laughs> of my week now. So uh, yeah, eagerly great. waiting tomorrow's one already. Yeah, yeah. So we had a, he had he had a nice shot today, didn't he? He like did. Real, yeah, I've, he did. Yeah, yeah. He did. That was a that was a cracker. That was a, yeah, that was really at good. least thirty yards. I've got a theory that so it's Antonio's brother who does the video analysis for us and I, i've got a feeling that uh, he emails all the players with their kind of their clips from the game so they can do some uh, some analysis yeah. of it or what have you and uh, romero just puts a, uh, just a musical track it. on it and then yeah. tweets it out it's, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's classic. i think as well i mean aside, quite aside from from royale's video video compilations being part of it uh, again one final mention of a north london derby action which we've talked about before but i'm going to bring it up one more time um was when he held the flare magnificent oh, i mean it was yeah. i mean so he flare so he's developing flare on the pitch and holding flares also on the pitch actually when i think about it so mega flare <laughs> so of course we have royale we've d- we've just actually broken down his season pretty much i think uh, by virtue of his performance today against burnley and 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 good for it i'm glad we did um you know sanchez and mora were on that right hand side with him um that uh that triumvirate, if that's the appropriate term, I think it is. Uh, it's you know being seen possibly for the last time today. Uh, you know, overall, do we think it's been any better now than it was earlier in the season? I say yes, albeit not stratospherically, but I say I trust it a lot more than I did earlier in the season. I thought Mora was pretty poor today. Uh, 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 apart from kind of the first 
know, first 10, 15 minutes, but and there were patches afterwards. I mean, obviously the, the run um, along the byline and the where Kane just shot wide was a lovely run in extra time. But every time Mora plays now, it makes you realise how much an improvement Decky is. But as a but as a three working together, uh, did you feel a, a little more comfortable than you might have? three months ago the difference is we're not conceding goals now I mean I think we've scored we've conceded five goals in 10 games now so yeah we're so tight at the back that actually kind of the deficiencies of that flank are less of an issue if we were one if we were one nil down and Decky wasn't on the bench and it was those three on that side yeah I'd probably be quite worried yeah, go on, Ricky, because I'm going to... No, yeah. I was just going to... I think it's quite hard to say, I mean, because of the way Burnley are and the way they play today, because, I mean, that's the first time those three have played together for quite mm. a while. Uh, Cornet could be a tricky customer. He is a good player for them. I mean, he had a bang on the head. Maybe that slowed him down a little bit, so that was handy in that sense. But um, I think, as we've said, uh, Royale's definitely improved, so his element definitely has. So I thought Mora wasn't too bad. They done his few turns where he then goes past one and two. But once again... Conte is obviously establishing a team that is a team. And Moore is just yes. never going to be a team player, really. He's an individual. And I just I just can't see how that integrates. And of course, like I said the other week, when Decky then plays and when he came on for that half hour against Leicester, it just shows that I, know, I think that's the kind of player we need and Moore isn't. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. You know, I was worried about that side of the pitch. Um but it did look it did look better than it has done in previous outings I would that worry came from sort of previous experience but um you know obviously uh Royale's playing with a, with a lot of confidence at the moment Sanchez has understood the assignment the last couple of games you know he's come in and been like yep yeah, you know we've got a these are really crunch games now at the end of the season um but I'd agree with what everyone else is saying I think Lucas he's he's he served he served us well He's given us some incredible moments, but in this team, in this system now, um, he it it really it really does stick out. Um, when now that we know what De- you know um, Kulusevski has done coming mm. in, in in a short space of time as well, um, and who's a lot younger. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I I agree with all of that. I think just what's maybe important to to maybe the overall point of this particular question um, with those three playing today and, but, you know, possibly for the last time and whether we felt safe or not is it does amplify everything that this manager has done for the football team and for how the football team plays and for how they train. Mm. And for the fact, it's not just the first 11, it's the first 14. And I have to say that if this, if these three had played under the previous manager, God, Lord help us, um, or even under Antonio in the first two months, I think I'd have gone into today's game a lot more anxious, even though I personally would have picked Bergwijn mm. today, like we've all said. Yeah, but I, was, I had yeah. much more confidence in them simply because of the manager. And we'll get into this a little later because it's an enormous factor in this game. Uh, you know, Antonio Conte, well, yeah, we had an extra man today. Let's, let's, not, let's not beat around the bush. We did. But we'll, we'll get into that maybe a little later. But that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, I think, when I talk about I get about what you're saying, Steph. Like, you're saying being in the Conte environment elevates everyone, even if they don't yes. realise it. Yeah, as yeah. individuals. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, it yeah, fortifies. It, yeah. it feels like he's right, yeah. it feels like he's somehow fortified our club, and I mean, it brings us on to another sub point here, which is Joe Rodon, who, as Milo quite uh, rightly pointed out, has featured more in the last week than he has in the last year um, for the club, um, and 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 made a very important contribution today. It was a single header, but games like this turn on missing single headers like that. 
you know, of that importance. So, you know, to anyone who laughs when we say Joe rode on 100% completion of, 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 of you know, task at, task at hand or whatever, hey, that's a vital interception. And the manager has given him the trust and put him on a very, very squeaky bum time of the game. Um, and again, this is the manager knowing how to use his squad well. Uh, let's look at Rodon for a moment. I mean, does he have a future at the club? Let's just bluntly ask the question. I think it depends. It depends who else we're looking at. But I, it is a little bit of a mystery of Rodon because I think he is... I mean, if you need to pass the um, committed and uh, tuned in kind of test from Conte first, he passes that easily, I think. I think he in training, I can imagine being very committed. He looks super focused uh, I think I think he can be quite tidy on the ball when I've watched him for Wales and then physically he's got some kind of style, style kind of comparison with John Terry really he's bound to put his body in the line and put his head where it needs to be put it just depends whether that is the type of person we're looking for but I think he could he could cover the left side centre back and the centre centre back if we needed him to it just depends whether it's just weird that the amount of game time he's got I mean that's the thing that makes you think well maybe the club doesn't fancy him I know it's probably important whether it's more important if Conte fancies him but I don't know I suppose Conte might have made a decision already who knows I think Conte has already shown that um, if a player can adapt and thrive, there's a space in the first eleven for any of them. Um, you know, I would like to keep Rodon personally. I think there is a space for him in this team. I think Conte has been very complimentary about him in the past as well. Um, and he is a full Welsh international and they're, they're, they're not footballing minnows anymore. You know, <laughs> this is a team that's done very well on, on the international stage over the last few years. Um, I wouldn't think that Rodon would have to do as much as uh, Doherty to turn things round. Um, so it's entirely possible. I like the look of him. I always have. You know, um, I, th- I think for someone so young, we've got to remember his. You know, he's still young as well. I, th- I think he has got a, uh, uh, an excellent um, future ahead of him, I, and I'd like that to be at Spurs. If Conte didn't trust him, he wouldn't be getting on the pitch. Yeah, yeah full stop. And I think also, you know, if you look at Conte's history, look at his record. Um, he's got a track record for. You know, holding back players and working with them intense, intensively on what he wants from them, and then bringing them in. So you know, if, you, if even if you look at say Ericsson at, at, at Inter, where he didn't feature a huge amount, it was only really kind of the last six months of of Conte's time there, where where he was getting into the team, and that you know he he taught him a new role. You know, if you listen to Lukaku talking about his time with him at Inter, where he, you know he just worked with him intensively on training around you know around a very very small set of things that he wanted to, him to do. So maybe we're seeing a bit of that with Rodon. Um, it's interesting that he's playing at left centre-back, or that's the position he's come on in the last couple of games, because earlier in the season, Conte was talking about him being Dyer's understudy and what Conte wants from wide centre-backs and the central centre-back are very, very different. Um, so you know, maybe Conte's just learned that you know he's better in those positions. Or it could just be that we're short on we we don't have any wing backs at the moment. We need to move Davis out there to give Cess a break and and to manage his game time. And um, you know we know that Rodon can play on the left, although even though he's right footed, so it might just be that we're being very 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 heavily linked with lots of left sided centre backs in the summer. There's talk that we want to bring in two centre backs. If we're bringing in two centre backs, I think he's off. But yeah, I like him as well. I'd like to think he'll last, and I'd like to think he'll make it. Uh, obviously, there's things that we don't see, you know, in the training field or so on. Um, but I do think one of the things that impresses me about him is he seems to be a real squad spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever you mm-hmm. see the training photos or whenever you see the social media posts, he's always there and thereabouts. He's always yeah. hanging around, and we're you know, in in a positive 
sense. And so I think that that sort of camaraderie you can't can't buy. Whereas you compare that with with, with Stevie Bergwijn again. I don't wish to judge anyone by how much they do or don't appear in social media pictures my word i'd be the last person to do that but you know stevie seems maybe a little shyer and we have had that comment about like maybe he doesn't quite get stuck into training with the same zeal because he's disappointed about not starting whereas you get the impression rodon is not about that which i believe is something that yeah, both you know, several of you have already said and so if you look at say lacelso who was meant to be a bit yeah. moody and around the training ground and what have you, you know, that, that's someone that Conte's clear, you know, moved out. Yeah. So that, that's probably a factor. Yeah. One thing actually, sorry about that attitude and what have you, I wanted to say, jump back to the goon game again. Um, but. Oh, if you must, what was the score again? <laughs> when, um, <laughs> when Sun was taken off and was a bit sulky and went down to the bench, it was Galini who leant across and was talking to mm. him. And I, I, I know I've, you know, dug into Galini plenty this, this season, but Again, by all accounts, he's a really positive person to have around the dressing room. And it was interesting that it was him, I suppose, actually, you know, giving one for the team and actually kind of, you know, being there to support them while not being on the pitch. Mm. And, you know, Son being a bit pissed off about being taken off and not being able to, you know, probably around chasing the golden boot. But Galini probably knows more about being a team player when not being in the team than probably anyone else in the team. He's a bit Kevin Wimmer 2022 for Sonny, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course he was at Delhi's birthday as well wasn't he Galini so was, although they yeah, haven't been at the club for very long together yeah but, but I mean no. in serious player liaison officer in, but in serious <laughs> yeah in seriousness it, it's, it's a great point to make and these are the intangibles that people don't see that are vital to getting you through to the you know to being within three points and, and, and hopefully a slip up on the other side of Champions League football when we had no hope at Christmas. These are the, this is the special source. You're absolutely right. Sorry, Ricky, you've got your oh, hand just, up. Can I, just a bit more centre-half chat. Um, I thought Collins was really good for them today, their centre-half. He just got in the way of absolutely everything and he had two or three attacking involvements where he looked, he, he performed mm. really well. His, his touch and his passing was really great, I thought. And I think he's, he's only 21. I think. You've done but well I thought, there because I, I have to be honest, I didn't, I, I absolutely did not pay attention to any of their performances. I mean, it's it's, it's fascinating. I just didn't. No, so it was well like a, yeah, it was a magnet. It was like the ball was like a magnet to him getting in the way. And I think they played five at the back, which they haven't done much of. So mm. fair play yeah. for them to sort of coach that up during the week and do kind of as well as they did. There's two more things we really want to get into here. I think we saw the tangible fruit of the one complaint that Antonio Conte was making on Thursday. Tangible fruit. He's thinking of a jazz group, Tangible Fruit. Hey, baby. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to Jazz Club. Nice. With next, we've got cha- next, we've got Tangible Fruit with Eric Dyer on lead sax. <laughs> yeah, was it? We've got more, more of John Peel thing. We've got two more from Tangible Fruit later in the show, you know. It's... God, I was onto one there as well. I was sort of beginning to, I feel, I felt I was on an articulate roll and then I just dropped it into crap jazz Monica moment mode, didn't I? But anyway. Crap jazz Monica. That's another band name. <laughs> it is. Jazz Monica. You're great at this step. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to get onto eBay and sell these names. <laughs> I think yeah, sell them as an NFT. Um, I think I'm trying to. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm, what I'm trying to say is Antonio's big complaint and his only main complaint that I've heard and he's hammered on and on and on and on and on um, was about the lack of time to recover from Thursday night uh, to Sunday. Um, and I think you have to double down or double down on that by saying that Thursday was um, 
probably one of the biggest games in the Premiership all season. He wasn't just a Thursday night game. It was a cup final. There's, let's make no bones about it. I mean, we even had bloody P. Diddy making an announcement about it here um, on, 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 on the American broadcast pre-game in that North London derby. So I think we saw um, the... Like, like it's the tangible. 90s. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we saw the tangible fruit of uh, Antonio's complaint. I mean, I thought we looked... No, you know, we really were tiring, not just physically, but mentally. Um, and I thought it was an enormous factor. Uh, I, I really did. Agreed? Yeah. Yeah. It was always going to be a factor. Like after the sort of dizzying heights of the North London derby, which we won, by the way, in case you didn't know. Yeah, three, three nil, um, wasn't it? Three uh, nil, uh, three in, nil. in 60 minutes, right? It was a 60 minute, yeah, the yeah. first 60 minute yeah. North London derby. And yeah. yeah. Was but, you know, despite our dominance in that game, it was a battle. And, um, and we, you know, we, we had to manage energy minutes. levels today, <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, despite, you know, despite that, you know, and I think, I think that, you know, you, you're going ahead on, there was a lot of dr- adrenaline as well in that game, you know, and mm. expended. And I think we did tire, but I think we handled it quite professionally, you know, and, um, uh, Gareth said it in our, in our game, in our, uh, WhatsApp chat, actually he said that the game was probably more comfortable than our nerves would have us believe. Um, I actually thought we kind of saw the game out pretty well because that, that's a game we could have lost, you know, or we could have we could have conceded for sure, you know, and um, and we didn't, you know, we, we we've been pretty good at uh, at seeing that out. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of today's game, so on XG it was two point four two to us to zero point six eight to them. So, mm. um, in terms of kind of recovery time and fatigue I think that's absolutely the case and you know basically we've been shafted by TV here because there's no reason why the North London derby couldn't have been on Wednesday night rather than Thursday and there's no reason why we couldn't have kicked off later today rather than being the first the first team up um, other than the fact that BT wanted us and presumably they had first dibs and um, and yeah and Sky wanted didn't want the North London derby running against any other games but I mean that's that's why we've been shafted on this you know I think um, there was plenty of, I mean, I think Benton Core looked a bit like he had a bit of a problem mm. going on. I think Pierre did. And I was watching the um, a bit of the after game thing and Sonny coming out for his player of year award wasn't exactly walking in his um, sunny, speedy way. <laughs> he was definitely like limping along a bit. But it's, I suppose that's all part of the cover. I think the other thing it shows is, um, I mean, the one, the one player we did take off more is the one that's probably doesn't need resting. So it just goes to show, no, you know, he left resting. all the, pardon? No, he needed resting. <laughs> oh, needed. Great decision. But you, know, you get my point. In other words, he's not trusting many of the squad because we could circulate some other people on who, 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 yeah, you yeah. know, who, who haven't played on Thursday and that. But, you know, it's, it's probably bound to take its time. I and mean, I said at the start, you know, the, you know, I think the week's caught up with me and I didn't play in either game. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um... I, I mean, I think at this time of the season as well, you know, that, that little recovery time is, is even more of an issue because pre- I, I'd imagine that, yeah. you know, you know, we've spoken before about, you know, what's such a small group of players in pool of players that he's picking from. I would suspect that all of our first 11 are carrying knocks of some type at the moment. And, uh, absolutely. Um, and I, th- and I you think know. you're seeing it in a few other games as well with other teams. I mean, yes. Liverpool seem to now be kind of accumulating. Yeah. Some yeah. Kind of, and it can be muscle injuries, which is a sign definitely of something like that. But um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and of course, this, the Gooners, the Gooners as well. But. And this is coming, this is coming to, I mean, we'll get, we will get to it. I mean, that's, put a bookmark on that um, in terms of, you know, walking wounded, if you will, versus mental fortitude. Uh, You know, we have not discussed the penalty. We should. Um, I think it's fair to say that it is the second penalty we've received this week, which was technically and by the rules, clearly a penalty, but that which you really, you know, you don't always get given. Is that fair comment? 
Um, I think they're probably going to give it. I mean, there's there's some silly and some crap rules in football, and that's one of them. But that is one of the rules at the moment. So, uh, but I think that we didn't really make much of a claim ourselves. I mean, Sanchez sort of did, and I wasn't actually at home thinking, "Hold up, it's City's hand that might go to VAR." It was only then, a few seconds later, when then they said, "Oh, I think they're looking at something." So mm-hmm. we'll take it. I think they're pretty consistent in giving yeah. those type of decisions yeah. now. Where the, where the arms out from the body, it, it's pretty, the only thing that they might have dis, uh, disallowed it for is because how close Sanchez yeah. was to him. So he didn't really have much reaction time, but he made his body bigger. Yeah. Um, so they're pretty much always given now. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I th- it was the right decision. I love VAR. I mean, yeah, VAR's great. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's got, it's, it's, done its job for us this week that that was a classic example of var doing exactly what it was brought in to do you yeah. know and, and as you say it wasn't necessarily mm. that you know apart, no one apart from sanchez really really made much of a protest but var looked at it and said hang on mm. uh ref you need to see this because this is we think this is a penalty and um, and looking back at it um i know i know the um Michael Jackson said that you know he was like oh he couldn't help it it was it was very close and he, you know it was Michael uh, Jackson sure more he's always <laughs> said <laughs> the man in the mirror <laughs> sorry <laughs> um but you know, he he said, "Oh, it was an unnatural position, and um, and w- mm. what more could he have done?" You know, his hand was, his arm was knocked into the ball. Or whatever. Yeah, I think but that's you what look he back said. At it and, yeah, yeah. yeah oh. but when you look at back at it, it was like, well, no, he didn't have to look like you know, like a spread eagle. The, well, the way to he your was. point, he didn't have to be coached to move like Michael Jackson on bloody stage with his arms all over the bloody place, mm. flying right. from his body <laughs> at like wild angles. Right? I mean, so you know, yeah. Yeah. It was a penalty. It's as simple as that. And it was yeah. against Ashley Barnes, who is one of the footballers that I irrationally hate. Yeah, there you go. So uh, that made it all the sweeter, actually. And it was also <laughs> uh, technically, I think, or maybe untechnically, but in my technical mind, it was an assist for Davinson Sanchez. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I'm, I'm claiming royalties on that stuff. Yeah, you you said that I just chat. Remember, yeah. I know, I just yeah. remembered that I was going to let the side down there. I had to get I, it in. <laughs> I mean, we ought to say a brief bit about the coolest penalty you're going to see all season. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I t- you're right in the corner there. Yeah, I agree with you, Steph. I thought we missed it. I minute. thought we missed it. <laughs> My heart was saying, oh. <laughs> One other thing on that, that, that's the second penalty that he scored in a, in a week mm. against an England teammate. So someone he will have practised yeah, penalties yeah. with in training. Yeah. So they'll, they'll know... He's- They'll know he him better after. than yeah. yeah. He says I'll do a lot of that. He said I'll do yeah. a lot of that with Popey with uh, in the England because I suppose sometimes with the reserve keeper or something you're yeah. quite often practicing a lot of that more. So Pope's a big lad and and yeah. you know he's imposing and and he's a very good keeper uh, and he had him absolutely rooted to mm. the spot. He's got buck teeth as well. Did you notice that? I never noticed <laughs> that with Nick, Nick Pope. He's got buck teeth for some reason. Every time they did a close up, I was like, "Blimey, you need a bit of the clop treatment there." Mate. I was going to say, you better, "Better hope he gets a transfer to Liverpool in the summer, and then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you get his teeth done on the job as, as, as all the managers do." Yeah. But I, I agree with Mike. It's the, it was the same as Thursday. There was so much tension on Thursday. When you get a penalty, you're then really pleased to see the man. So he's ice cold cane. Definitely, he's, he's yeah. probably since. He, probably similar to since do you remember Berbatov had the penalty in that in that League Cup final against Chelsea mm. and it was yeah. like I'm so glad this man's taking it because <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you yeah. just think oh it's been great to have those two pairs and and like we said in other pods the timing of the goal today was great as well because we were, we were yeah. kind of just chugging towards half time then getting a little bit edgy and just to go in one up you think well one's mm. enough you know that's you know so 
great stuff. Yeah, I think personally, uh, and, and two more points to make before we move on from this game. I think, look, for me, hard won points like this are just as impressive as thrashings like Thursday. Yeah. I mean, look, obviously Thursday will be the most enjoyable game of the season by some stretch, but deep satisfaction with being able to see a game like this out, a game that everyone has thought was going to be Spursy, you know, everyone begging for us to, to shaft ourselves. I mean, they were. The commentary team that, were, that we had uh, was literally begging Burnley to equalise and to <laughs> fulfil the, the quote-unquote prophecy of our shafting ourselves. Agreed? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, like we unfortunately with the media and uh, rival fans, we have become synonymous with like snatching embarrassing defeats from the jaws of on victory, uh, on paper victories over the years. But, you know, it's what the top teams do. They, they, they win these hard-earned points. And it's what we actually did under Poch in the best times under him. You know, we were able to, to um, get, bring out these really hard wins when we needed to. Um, and I thought what Dyer said was interesting in his uh, post-match comments. He said, we lost to Burnley after a very impressive win against City. So this result essentially set a marker of what this team uh, under Conte is, is about now. Well, what a segue you've given us because we've arrived at the final topic of conversation for the day and it is the 12th man, um, the extra player that we had who was coaching incessantly from the sidelines, um, probably with more Galini. volume and passion. <laughs> Very good. Possibly with more passion uh, than he has, um, you know, for all season. Um, and uh, maybe the reason that I was confident we were going to win this game. Antonio Conti does not lose these games. He told us he felt angry and somewhat besmirched by the defeat at Turf Moor. And you just knew, right, he's not going to let it happen. I mean, these last eight days, how much, I mean, it's almost a redundant question, but let's milk it, right? How much has this team taken on Antonio Conte's persona? How much are we an embodiment of him? And I guess it's worth uh, saying that, you know, would we have won this game today without him as our manager? Well, I think um, most managers love it when their team sort of are in their image in the end. And if it's one of the great managers, then that's great. And Conte is great. That's all we keep saying. Really, we're so lucky to have him. I think our mental strength has definitely improved and that comes from Conte. Um, he demands a lot and we're meeting those demands now. And I think I was thinking earlier, actually, I mean, when you're in these kind of clutch situations, um, to have that man in your corner and what he's, what he's fed through to us on the training ground with all his, um, coaching and training, whether that's psychologically and, um, physically is just, uh, is a great thing to have on your side. And I was comparing it to, you look at Everton today, clutch situation, two red cards. Leeds, two vital games, red cards, red cards, Arsenal on Thursday. And we don't look like doing any of that, no kind of craziness. So uh, that's something that can be important in these moments down the stretch because, as I say, minds are tired, physically the players are tired at the end of the season. And if you can... If you can have that fortitude and that resilience, that's that's massive, I think. Yeah, totally agree, Ricky. And um, you know, Conte is has been operating at elite level for for a few years now, you know, and winning titles and, and we we are having to kind of be you know, we have to reach that level to keep him and you know and, and uh we we have to be the players have responded to that. Um, you know, and you just look at like Royal and uh, Doherty and and you know, plus uh Sessignon recently and, and even uh Davison the last couple of games. You know, I think what's beautiful about what's happening at the moment is we're getting there, but there's still so much more to come. 
and I think that's what's that's what's really exciting. I'm really excited for the summer um, under this manager because um, I feel like he's got us to, you know, who would have thought in May, well, back in back in October that in May we would be sitting in fourth place and, you know, and, and really in the running to finish with the champ- in, in the Champions League next season. Yeah, and I think... I think we are a team in Conte's image. I think, you know, if you even go back and compare us to how we were playing, you know, at the turn of the year, um, you know, there's, there's a marked improvement, marked massive improvement. And it's not just the players we brought in. I think, you know, players who you know, a lot of us had written off are playing a lot better. Um, I think also, you know, the, the kind of Conte's approach for automation has probably helped when fatigue's kicking in because you've got a muscle memory there you don't have to do your thinking you've got mm. a set of moves mm. that you've worked on time you know day in day out in training and you know you 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 can almost do it on autopilot because you you know you've learned the script you know what you've got to do yeah i think it, you know that's one of the benefits of the system that's one of the benefits of the manager and um you know i really really think we're going to win things next season i think we're going to do really well under him yeah, one, one final addition on him. I actually personally believe that he has improved as a premiership manager specifically in the last three or four months. I think he's learned to maybe moderate and modulate his carrot and stick approach a little better. And I think we're the first club he's ever had where he's really had to work with players that he might consider not quite of the standard and bring them up to a standard. And I think he's proven a point to himself that's my personal feeling you might disagree I'm, I'm not sure about that in terms of kind of players you know players that aren't of his standard he's not a manager who demands stars 1 to 11 um and you know it's not about few, stars it's about it's about ability and and having players that fit his role but quite a few clubs he's he's adapted players or you know or brought on players who um you know aren't you know, the, the most highly regarded. So I think he's, I think that's something that he's always done. On him, there was an interesting article, I think it was in The Standard, I think it was Dan Kilpatrick in The Standard, um, where he was talking about that kind of carrot and stick thing and how he had adapted his approach because, you know, kind of the more... I mean, I... You know, we've heard this before with this group of players that, that, that you know, there's quite a few there who who respond better to an arm around the shoulder than a kick up the arse, basically. And um, yeah, he has adapted that and he has kind of moderated how he behaves around the squad and how he, how he treats them. A final thing, I was just thinking that he was, I think the other thing he was a bit, when he first came back to the Premier League was, and he was maybe a little bit down about it, is he did, it did dawn on him, he probably kind of knew this, but it did dawn on him once he was here, that this is a really hard league, and some of the teams in it are do seem miles better than us. And I think he was a little, he's an emotional guy, and he was a bit down by that, but I think with some of the recent games, the Liverpool game, the Man City game and all that, I think he's just thinking, like he says, I just need 1% chance, and he maybe thinks that he might have 1% chance with us now, if, he can, if we can do the business in the summer. I and agree. Even more, I th- maybe even more than one percent. I think this. I think the last three games have made it unquestionable that he is not going to be here next season. Whatever happens next weekend, I think it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's here. I mean, I'll, I'll nail my colours to the mast. Fourth or fifth, yeah. he's our manager next season because I think he's seen in the last three games that he can make it happen with this team yeah. and this squad. As you said, if he's given. You know, a few more tools. So I would agree with that. Um, I suppose closing thoughts, uh, one positive, one negative to bring us to a close um, in looking at this vital 1-0 victory over Burnley. Uh, Go to you first, Ricky. Uh, Positive is that we are still in it. 
we you know we've given ourselves every chance uh and even if it was one nil that's that's all that we needed i think we said that in our chat one nil take that let's move along let's put it in arsenal's court now um a negative is i don't know i don't know if i've got negatives today what would the negative be i've got no negatives i don't think there's no time Excellent. for negatives at the moment love it ram Literally the same. Another very high pressure game we've seen through keeps us very much in the hunt for Champions League football. Can't think of a negative. We're doing everything expected of us to make this a battle to the end. Love it. Milo? Uh, Positive was just to follow on from what we were just saying. This is a game that we would have lost in the past. These points are really important and um, we're just chalking them off at the moment. We come to a test, tick, come to a test, tick, come to a test, tick. And... You know, we're, we've got ourselves in a position where, you know, let's be honest. If we if we were all given the choice to choose our last fixture of the season, <laughs> we'd be picking Norwich, wouldn't we? Mm, yeah. You, you know, you yep. pick them at home, but you know, really, yeah, you'd pick Norwich. Yeah. And you know, the way we're playing at the moment, you'd be disappointed if we don't steamroll them. I agree with all of that, and I think again, I'll just reiterate my biggest positive has been that this is yet another vital, vital game in our season that I think has seen our club prove to Antonio Conte that their synergy and their work together has much further to go. And I think that if nothing else, he's fully on board with the belief. And I think we can say goodbye to all those stupid rumours that keep circulating. That's my biggest positive. And like yourselves, no negatives. Did you, did you catch the little 70-minute G up today with the crowd? I love that. We he turned yeah. around and gave yeah. it and they responded as well. That last yes. twenty minutes, the yeah. singing was great. Yeah. I love that. I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um very briefly, I mean the top four chase is just, you know, look, it's very, very straightforward now, isn't it? So um as it stands, uh, the ball is very firmly uh, in Arsenal's court still because they do still go to the Champions League if they win their final two games. However, the pressure to win those final two games at Newcastle uh, tomorrow night and at home to Everton, who at this point in time will still need a result that day, um, is, is immense. Uh, so, chaps, what do we think? I mean, I think the thing that really is in our favour is talk briefly about Arsenal. So their game at Newcastle tomorrow, they have to win. A draw doesn't do yeah. them, it doesn't do anything for them. So of the three possible results, only one works for them, which I think is quite a good situation for us to be in. Yeah, I know and I've you know, as I've been saying on here for weeks, I've I've always felt that this was the the, the potential banana skin for them in the run in. Newcastle are playing well. It's their last home game of the season. There's a lot of players there playing for their future. Um, obviously, they got whipped by Man City last time out. They're going to want to put that right. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying that they'll definitely win, but it's a tough game. The other thing is the because um, I didn't necessarily think this at the time, but the point at Anfield is quite valuable because being two mm, ahead yeah. means they have to yeah. win one of their next yes. games. They can't draw both of them, so they at least have got to win at least one of them. Um, the other thing is if they lose at Newcastle, we only need a draw at Norwich. Um, yeah. Everton, uh, I think Everton have to win against Palace in midweek. Otherwise, it goes to the last day for them because they've got two games left. Mm. So there's a few things in our favour. I mean, you know, if, if Arsenal win both games, then fair play to them. You know, there's nothing we can do about that. So, but I agree with Milo. I mean, uh, St. James's Park, Monday night, last game of the season for them. That's a tough gig. When you look at the variables like that, then the odds are stacked in our favour 
um, the momentum's with us right now, and you know, momentum's really important. You know, um, that the the manner in which we won the North London derby, as well as getting the three points, I think will uh, you know will be very will make Arsenal feel very heavy. Um, they've got a few injuries. Um, you know, we're not quite sure what uh, backline they're going to play tomorrow. And Everton losing was a, was a good to Brentford mm. was also a good result for us. It keeps them honest in the relegation battle. And I was just thinking that Ricky, that point against Liverpool, thinking back now, if if it pans out how we want it to, is monumental because by rights we shouldn't be winning mm. that game. You know, I'm um, uh, sorry, drawing that game is all winning it. Um, so this week has been, you know, with mm. crunch time, it's been we, we've turned up. We've done what we need to do. Agent Ericsson did his job for us tonight. Agent Trippio tomorrow, mm. and then uh, Agent Delhi. Oh, <laughs> you, 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 you do, you do wonder, don't you, whether Delhi's going to have a say? I mean, look, I, I, I will stick with my mantra, which has been since Antonio Conte came in since January, that the top four is going to be decided by who has the best manager. I do believe that. Um, we'll see if it pans out. I, I mean, really. The ball is not just with Arsenal right now, it's with Arteta. And again, it's so important that your manager gets everything right in terms of not just their their, their coaching, but their, their presentation, the way they carry themselves. We saw what Kevin Keegan did all those years ago. These are the margins. These are the margins. And players, they, these are young, the young men, especially in Arsenal's case, one of the mm. youngest teams out there. They look to the talisman to lead them. And that is not leadership uh, that we saw on Thursday night from Arteta. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see his behaviour tomorrow night on the touchline. Mm. It's going to be very important. Those players need him to show up, to stand a chance up there. That's, that's my take. I think he's probably the most important member of that setup tomorrow night for, uh, for Arsenal. If he gets one thing wrong anywhere... On you know, on the coaching board or on the touchline, they're they're done. I tell you what, Steph. After the North London derby, Arteta really went down in my estimation. And I'll tell you something. <laughs> I would love it, absolutely love it, if Newcastle beat them tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> There's no top in that. No top in that, mate. We go to Norwich. You've got the final word there. It's good stuff. I agree. Um, Norwich, um, look, it's a very simple... I think the team picks itself at this point. Our first 11, we know what mm-hmm. it is if fit. Uh, you know, it's just very basic. Are we confident? Are we confident that this last final step will be taken? It's a very simple question. Yes or no, Ram? Yes. Ricky? Yeah, definitely. Milo? I've already said we should steamroll them. So, yeah. Uh, and I will say yes as well. So we are confident, as we should be. Uh, and I think that, you know, in closing the show today, I think, again, we just have to reiterate what a huge week and three games this has been for our club um, and, and, and what a fortifying week it's been in terms of the unity between club and manager. Um, it's really, really great to see. And it's been a long time. It's been several years since we felt that. I think we'd all agree with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much, chaps. Let's round it out. Otherwise, we're just going to start talking about, you know, Thursday and all that again (laughs) we could be here all night but uh we don't have the time sorry folks we've got to go we'll be back next week 
to talk about our last game of the season. By the way, if I didn't say it before, thanks very much, chaps. I can't remember. Did I say thank you? No, you didn't. Cheers, Steph. Thanks, Steph. I didn't. Cheers, How Steph. How rude. I, I'm so sorry. I apologise. And that's thank a, you. a general apology, not just a British apology. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about our last game of the season. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow. Say hello. And if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. And don't forget to tell your friends. You can tell your enemies as well if you want. Tell the gooners. Tell a few gooners you know to tune in and see what they think. (laughs) Go on. And as always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.